Merry Christmas, church family. Merry Christmas. Isn't it good to uh, come together and adore Jesus and singing together? Uh, love doing that with you. Thankful for Matt and his team that lead us each Sunday. Um, and after a couple of Sundays in a row of being limited to only 25 people in person, Super fun to say Merry Christmas to so many of you here with us. So once again, Merry Christmas. And, uh, and also glad to have those of you over in our community center. Thanks for being here. And all of you joining us on Faith Online, glad that you can be with us. Merry Christmas to you. Um, it is good to celebrate Jesus together. So as uh, Pastor Matt said, we are in a series of messages here this month that we've called Christmas Joy. And we're, and we're starting with singing our adoration to Jesus. And we've said Merry Christmas. And our series is titled Christmas Joy. Then why did I come up here last week and talk about the pain and suffering and trials in our life and the difficulties? Well, because last Sunday we talked about the fact that Christmas doesn't ignore our pain. That we can have Christmas joy, that we can say Merry Christmas, that we can be followers of Jesus and celebrate Christmas, and Christmas doesn't ignore our pain, that God doesn't ignore our pain. Because what we celebrate in Christmas is the fact that God on high, majestic, King of all, Lord of all creation, came into the world. We celebrate at Christmas that, that God came to us that he pursues us, that he doesn't ignore our pain, but that he comes to us. And so we talked last Sunday about how God sees and hears and knows us and cares for us. And that, and that if even when joy may not always be present now, joy is to come. Because, look at, with me on the screen, Psalm 126.5 says this, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Christmas is our time to reflect on what we call the first advent of Christ, the first coming of Jesus. But of course, anytime we're remembering the coming of Jesus, we also get to look forward to the second advent, the second coming of Jesus, when he will put all things right. So even when we sow in tears and in difficulty and enduring sorrow, we will reap with shouts of joy when Jesus returns. Right, church family? And so um, Tony Reinke says this, that I believe the quote will be on the screen. In Christ, all of our aches and agonies are set up for a greater joy to come. Amen. So uh, speaking of aches and agonies, um, I know that we're all dealing with a lot in 2020. And uh, I, I love uh, Sarah's example a few minutes ago of, of something, I, I'm guessing that all of you can relate, right? Something that used to be just so-and-so, and now we think it's, you know, grocery shopping was grocery shopping, and now it's an exciting outing, right? That was her example. And, and I was thinking this morning about um, that with all of us, all that we're dealing with this year in 2020, and, and of course, there's nothing funny about COVID itself, the disease, the impact, the, the, the pain on people. But, but the circumstances of 2020 have created situations that we would have never seen coming, that we would have never experienced before, and are somehow the new normal, right? 
And so, and so what I'm saying is, is, while there's nothing funny about COVID itself, I think, I think as we relate to one another and experience life together, it's okay to find some humor in, in our circumstances, in, in what we are now doing because of, of, these, of these circumstances. Um, the other, so, so I've got a story, kind of like Sarah's. Uh, so the other day I was, I was uh, driving through town, headed out on an errand, uh, almost all the time when I'm not in church, I wear a ball cap. Many of you know that. So I have a hat on at the time. I'm driving my truck. 365 days a year, I wear sunglasses because I don't like to squint. So I've got my hat on. I've got sunglasses. I'm headed around town out on an errand. I hop out of the truck, and I'm headed into a store, so I need to pull my mask on. And most of the time, I have a pretty simple mask, you know, small, right around the mouth and nose, like a lot of you are wearing right now. But that day, I had my face shield on like uh, Mr. Russell over here, the, the face shield that is like a neck comes up, all covers the whole neck, covers the mouth, nose, covers the ears. So I'm walking up to the store, and I've already got a hat on, and I've already got sunglasses on, and I pull my face shield up, and I'm thinking to myself, can I go into the store like this? Right? In, in 2019, what would have got me arrested in 2020 is completely normal, right? And so then when I send an email, a picture like this, to my friends a couple of days ago, in 2019, it would have been the stuff of nightmares. And in 2020, it's just another day on the street. Now, this picture is an exaggeration. I've never gone in anywhere like that. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, so what's my point? Well, not sure I have one, to be honest. Uh, but, but, it's, but we share in these circumstances, and there's difficulties in life, and there's joy to be found. And, and today, of course, we celebrate much more important things. There's joy to be found in Christ. So let's do that. This morning, we're going to start with this verse, Acts chapter 20, verse 35, where it is reported that Jesus said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. So I thought this would be a good place to start this morning. This, this verse has sort of a Christmas feeling to it. We, we relate to gift giving and the generosity that occurs this time of year. So Acts 20, verse 35, Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Because, of course, December, we think of gift-giving, and, and, and we're purchasing and, and looking to care for uh, those around us in various ways and spend time together and think of others. Um, but it's also a season where we tend to think about money and where money could be a stressor and where we are not sure what the best use of our money is. It is more blessed to give than to receive and so, and so what are our thoughts and what are our circumstances around money and what kinds of things are we going through? Are we looking for opportunities to spend and give or to hoard to ourselves? Are we, are we in situations that cause us to worry about money and about God's provision for us? Or do we find ourselves trusting in our great God? Does the, the topic of money and the use of our money bring up feelings of, of joyousness and, and cheerfulness or, or if reluctance and fear about what we do or whether we have the money? Are we looking to spend money wisely or recklessly? 
So if we're thinking about money anyway at this time of year, and if gift giving, and if, and if the end of a year, and, and going into a new year, if that has a tendency to be stressful, then let's redeem the topic, so to speak. Let's, let's ask God how to approach money. Let's see how our great God is generous. Um, let's, instead of stressing about this area of life, let's, let's allow it to be an area of our lives that God transforms us where he gives us his perspective on money and on spending and on giving and on generosity. Um, Because handling money is a fact of life. So let's consider God's word on it. And specifically, how does this relate to our Christmas joy? Let's let's find out together today. Because, um, anybody relate to this? Sometimes when it comes to money, we can be frustrated or, or a little annoyed or it can put us into a stressful attitude. And, and uh, it's good to start with this, perhaps, that, that money in itself is not the problem. Money in itself, coins and dollar bills and your checkbook and your, and your bank card that you can swipe, the money isn't the problem. The Bible's pretty clear. 1 Timothy 6.10 says it's the love of money that is a root of all evil. It, it's not money that's evil. It's the, it's the love of it. It's, it's, it's what does it do with our hearts. And Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For he, for, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We can find our contentment, all that we need, in God. Jesus doesn't avoid the topic of money. It's really quite amazing to read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and, and look for how many examples where Jesus' teaching, his parables, include examples around money. And, 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 and we see examples in the, in the gospel accounts, too, of how Jesus himself interacted with money. And what you find is that Jesus didn't avoid money. He didn't say it was evil. He, he shows us, he demonstrates in his life, as we read about his life, that money is a tool. That there's chances to use it, and use it appropriately, and use it well, and to trust God with it. So what we face, you and I, church family, is is the question of how are we going to use that tool? How does God want us to use the tool of money? Will it be for selfish purposes or for seeking God's will? Will it be for keeping to ourself or to be a blessing to others? And um, and, and is it... it, uh, how might God want us to use what he's given us, giving a portion back for his purposes and his glory and what he wants to do in the world? Those are the opportunities we have to consider. How, we can, how, how is it that Jesus would say it is more blessed to give than to receive? Because I think what we're going to see over and over as we think about this is that, is that our outward actions give us much more joy than holding it to ourselves. That, that what we do outwardly with our time and our energy and our love brings so much more joy and allows God to work through us than keeping those things to ourselves, right? And that applies to the area of our finances as well. As God has blessed us and has, he has provided all that we have, have and that everything we have comes from the Lord and we have an opportunity to give back. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 says, where, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where our money piles up is a little bit of a glimpse into our priorities. Where our money is directed, where we, what we emphasize in our generosity and giving is an indicator of what's important to our heart uh, and, and what we are prioritizing. So Jesus spoke, as I said a minute ago, Jesus spoke a lot about money. Uh, he unashamedly used money as, a, as an example in his parables. And, um, and what's really important to catch here, what's really important to catch is that when God talks about money, when Jesus' example talks about money, he's not talking about buying favor with him. He's not saying that you should give and I'm going to like you better. You should give and I'll forgive you. No. Don't give out of some strange guilt that if I give my money, maybe God will love me more. That's not what this is about. Are we good with that? Okay. But when Jesus talks about money and he uses the examples of money, almost always Jesus talking about the handling of our finances is an indicator of our heart. And it's an indicator of our discipleship. It's an indicator of of our following him. Because as we demonstrate, um, as we grow in Christ, and as we want to live for God in all that we do, as we grow in following Jesus Christ, we we will trust God in every area of life, including that difficult area of our money and what we do with it and how we trust God and do I have enough and I'm afraid and are you going to provide and should I give it and what if I don't have enough and as we grow in Christ and, we, and our trust in God grows, we will trust God in every area including how we use the money that he gave us in the first place. So do we hoard it or do we... Um, hold back our generosity because we want to make sure we can provide for ourselves. And I'm not, again, be careful. I'm not talking about go out and gamble, go out and be risky, go out and be, be completely oblivious to your needs. You're also called to be, use intelligence and be responsible to provide for your families, right? So, so we're not talking about just be flippant with our money and, and not be completely unconconcerned. But again, are, are, but what's the heart are we holding back our generosity out of fear or out of a desire to control or think that we need to provide for ourselves? Or do we trust God to give us what we need and then be able to pass along that generosity? Matthew 6, 26 says, Look at the birds of the air. Look at the birds. They neither sow nor reap nor, they, nor store up all their food into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? God provides. God cares for you. He knows what you need. He sees all. He cares. So is that where our hearts rest? And, and again, we, we ask God's word to give us insight into our behavior in, in all of life, in every area of life, in, in all that God has made me, heart, soul, mind, and strength, my words, my actions, and, and all of it. What, what, should, um, what should direct that? How does God want to use me? How does God want to work in and through each of you? Philippians 2.4 is a spectacular verse to keep our eyes on in any area of life as we follow Jesus. 
Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Here's a side note. You want to spend a few minutes in a spectacular passage of Scripture? Go read Philippians 2 later. Because I'm showing you one verse, and it, because it's, it ties into what we're talking about this morning, and this idea that how does God want us to live our lives? And I think verse 4 is incredible. It's look to the interests of others, not just our own. But if you go read the rest of Philippians 2, you know what you're going to find? That the ultimate example of that kind of behavior is Jesus, who didn't think of himself in his own comfort, but went willingly to the cross to die thinking of you and me, thinking of others, putting the interests of others ahead of his own. And so this important principle applies to many areas of our lives. You know, it, it, we should think about this principle in terms of our time, where our time is spent, where my energy goes, what my priorities are. How do I use my spiritual gifts? If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God himself, lives within you and has made you in a certain way where you have a spiritual gift or gifts, something that you uniquely have to offer the body of Christ, that you are made to do, that gives glory to Jesus as you serve your church family. So what do we do with those spiritual gifts? We look to the interests of others. We look to how God would want us to uh, serve and care and love and bless others. Uh, last Sunday, I mean, thinking of this, just, just one example. Last Sunday, I spent a few minutes thanking those of you in our church family that serve, that volunteer your time to, to help uh, your church family around here in so many ways. It's those who serve in children's ministry and in student ministry and our ushers and our check-in team and our techs and on and on and on and people that I don't have time to mention. Thank you to those of you who have seen that God wants to work in you and through you and are fulfilling that, that service, that act of love to your church family by finding a place to serve and to give of your time and energy. Um, we're thankful for you. And, and as I thought about that this week, I just want to take a minute that thinking about volunteers in our church family who serve and give because God has called them, I just want you to know how thankful I am for our elder team. The six men that I serve with are uh, awesome guys who love Jesus and are working hard because of, because of their love for you and because of their calling to serve this church their, their heart's desire is to give glory to Jesus in the way that they serve and lead and care for you. And I am privileged to walk alongside them in that, and I'm thankful for them. And so if you know them, if you come across one, or if you want to reach out to all of them, I would love it if you would show them your love and appreciation for them. And, um, and I'm going to give a special shout out today to our brother in Christ, Hal Spence, uh, for a couple reasons. Hal has had two terms on the elder team, and they are coming to a conclusion here at the end of this month, so thankful for him and serving. Thanks, Hal. And because Hal is home in his chair uh, recovering from rotator, uh, rotator cuff surgery, so we can be thinking of him as he's uh, trying to keep still. So love you, brother, and uh, we're praying for a quick recovery. So you feel free to reach out and encourage him as well. But when we think about this principle of, of putting the interests of others before our own, we, we can apply, I think we can apply that well to the way we handle our finances as well. 
And, and that's where we see Jesus' words, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. When the, when the, when the output, when the focus, when the direction of our, of our money, what God has blessed us with, is, is, is going outward, I really think that's an opportunity for us to experience joy from God. Second um, Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each one of us, followers of Jesus, should give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. When we look in Scripture at this verse and others in the New Testament, we come across a few principles about how God would handle us, have us handle our money. And uh, one that you see here on the screen, I think, is, is that we're intentional about it. It says, as each person has decided. So there's some thought that's gone into it. We've asked God to, to show us, what, what am I to do in this area of my life? There's intent, another verse in, in the God's Word talks about every week kind of looking at that and considering that, whether it's, so there's a point of, of regularity, consistency, whether it's weekly or monthly, that there's intentionality about seeking God's direction for our giving. Um, one thing I think that's important to bring clarity to, though, often is we're not t- God isn't asking for equal gifts, equal amounts that are, that are offered in our offerings or in our, as a giving to the church family or to God through that. All of our financial circumstances are different. All of our, our incomes are different. Our, our financial obligations are different. There's not an expectation from God of a, of a certain amount of a gift. But what we do see in Scripture is that there's going to be a sacrificial feeling to our giving, that it's going to hurt a little bit. The, the widow was, was honored by Jesus because she not because of the amount she gave, the pennies that she dropped in the offering, but because of the heart behind the gift, because of the sacrifice her gift represented. And so our gifts uh, don't have to be equal, but there should be a sacrifice. And then, of course, you see on the screen there in that verse that it, that it doesn't come from reluctance or I'm forced to or, okay, I'll give because everybody else is or because I'm supposed to. God loves a cheerful giver. God, God wants that to be something that he's worked in you, that your thankfulness for what he has done has resulted in a joy in a, that, that expresses itself in a cheerful generosity. He's not looking to force you to, to, to provide for the ministry of Faith Church or to see the gospel go forth into the world through our missionaries. He's wanting you to find joy in that and give in that circumstance. So I said it last week, And I'll say it again, that we, the Faith Church family, are thankful for those of you who choose to honor God in this way by giving of your finances. It's not easy. It takes intentionality and sacrifice and cheerfulness and God's working in your heart. And this morning we lit one of the Advent candles, uh, uh, faith. I think giving is an act of faith. It's trusting God in the area of our finances. It's, it's saying, God, I believe you. I know you. I love you. I want to live for you so much that you're changing me, and I can trust you in this area of life. So I give by faith. So I say, you know, we say it again, that we're so thankful for those of you who give cheerfully and generously and sacrificially. You know, our, our official members have made this commitment to be part of their uh, way that they interact with our church family is in their giving. But really, it's all of us as a church family, whether you're an official member or not, followers of Jesus who call Faith Church home are asked to participate 
in, in the ministry uh, by supporting what God is doing, the work that God is doing in and through Faith Church, uh, through your giving. And so we're so thankful for that. Thank you for demonstrating your trust in God by the way that you give of your finances. Uh, and, I, and then just real quickly, I do want to mention too that uh, today is the last day. Uh, the last two weeks, we've highlighted for you the fact that uh, we are receiving a special offering as well. We, we need and, and thank you for your ongoing financial contributions that support the ministry of Faith Church. And once in a while, only a couple times a year usually, we offer a, an opportunity to give to a special offering above and beyond what you're already giving. And so this last two weeks, we've just let you know that we're receiving a special offering that we are going to then divide up and give to our missionaries to be an extra blessing to them uh, at, at Christmas time. So uh, thank you that many of you have already contributed to that fund. Today is the last day. If you'd like to go online, click Give on our website or go on the Church Center app and click Give. And uh, that'll be a way that we can bless our missionary families at Christmas. So thank you. So as we reflect on these words of Jesus this morning, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Are we letting that sink in a little bit? Are we, letting it, are we asking God to shape or mold our hearts with that example from Christ? It is more blessed to give than to receive. Okay, so if it's more blessed to give than to receive, it must be a competition. I'm going to win. I'm going to, you know, God's going to like me more when I give more. Nope, we already did away with that, right? So, so this morning, while, while we want to reflect on Jesus' words that it is more blessed to give than to receive, let me just tell you, it's not a competition. And even if it was a competition, you know who loses? All of us. Because you know who wins? Our great God. You want to talk about cheerful givers? You want to talk about generous hearts? You want to talk about someone who is the most cheerful giver of all time, the MVP of cheerful giving? It's our great God, our Heavenly Father. David Mathis, uh, a pastor and author, writes this, In the end, as cheerfully as we may give, we cannot outgive the truly cheerful giver. Willingly, he gave his own son as he had decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but with overflowing joy. Our great God gave his son willingly, joyfully, so that we might live. The, 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 the memorable, the perhaps familiar, but all important words of Jesus in John 3.16 for God loved the world in such a way that he gave his only son that whoever believes in Jesus will not perish but have life eternal. Life now and life eternal. The gospel that we celebrate is the good news that Jesus rescues sinners like you and I that are rebelling against God, that tend to go our own way, that have our own agenda in mind, that tend to think of ourselves in all that we do. The gospel is the good news that God rescues rebellious sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I pray that we would find life in Jesus this month, that we would find Christmas joy because of God's work 
for us through Christ. And I pray that we would be generous, cheerful givers because God is the most generous, most cheerful giver. Father God, we thank you for an opportunity to study your word together. We thank you for the opportunity to be silly and and laugh and look for humor. But God, we also thank you um, just for caring for us and that you are always with us, that you never leave us, that you never forsake us. So God, as we approach Christmas, would you help us to not just um, uh, rush forward in the days ahead and and, and miss this opportunity to see what you have done, that you have come into the world, that you have pursued us, that you don't ignore our pain, but that you have come to us and, and enacted your rescue plan, sending your son who lived and died and rose again so that we could live. And God, I pray that Christmas would remind us of your generosity in, in, a, in, a, in a period of weeks and, and, and days when we could be stressed or distracted by money or, or by spending or by worry. God, I pray instead that we would be reminded at Christmas of your generosity, that, that not thinking of yourself, thinking of us, you sent your son, that you gave him willingly, cheerfully, thinking of us. So thank you, God, for the Christmas joy that we find in that reality, that your son came and lived and died so that we might live. Help us, God, not to just live simply for ourselves in the coming days, but to live out your love for others in the way that we speak and act and care and bless others. God, help us to live out the Christmas joy that we have because of you, because of your rescue of us, because of your forgiveness, of because you've made us right, because you have saved us. God, help us to live out that Christmas joy by living generously, with our time and our energy and our spiritual gifts and all of our resources. God, we're thankful that all we have is because of you. And we we joyfully offer some back to you, entrusting you in every area of our life so that you can use us as you see fit. We love you. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.